And I'll tell you, Blaine, you'd be amazed at what I found picking up trash on the streets of our city. Welcome to the Search in Your City podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Larson, and today we're talking with Search's Managing Director, Davis Kirkendall. And in addition to serving as one of our managing directors, Davis founded Search in Charlotte, North Carolina over 30 years ago, and he's grown it into our largest city if you look at the number of staff, Davis and and his team there in Charlotte. Are, are just doing amazing, amazing work. And it's been an incredible story that we're going to get to hear a little bit of today. And so, Davis, I just want to, first of all, welcome you to the Search in Your City podcast. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, Blaine. And that's a that's a very large introduction that I don't think I really deserve, but thank you. Well, there's no pressure to live up to it. <laughs> so. Uh, okay, Davis, before you came and joined Search full-time, you had a great job with a great company, IBM. You were in the business world. You did an MBA. You're bright guy, Vanderbilt grad. Why in the world would you leave a flourishing career to come do this? Well, you know, I love the company I worked with. IBM was an incredible first job out of grad school. But after three, four years, um, I realized as much as I love the job and the people there and working with customers and, and doing what we did in marketing large systems, I looked at long term and just didn't want to move with them. We wanted to stay in one city. We wanted to have an influence where we were. But also the reality was as much as I love to sell, I didn't love technology and it just dawned on me that a career in a, with a company, a great company, but a company that, that I would be marketing things that I didn't have a passion for at the end of the day. So I started looking for different other, well, uh, other opportunities within business. And at the end of the day, I just couldn't find that one thing I wanted to sell with all my heart. And that's when people pushed me toward ministry. Ministry was the last thing I ever saw myself doing. But we wound up in seminary, and then we planted a church, and uh, which is partly how we met Search. Yeah, and and so you met Search, and I'm I'm very curious how you got connected to Search, and then why did you make the move from pastoring a church into Search? Well, ultimately, I love Monday more than Sunday. Um, I love meeting with and hanging out with people who are unchurched. I love to be in the marketplace where the rubber really met the road. But with Search, we had a partnership with our church. And the Search guys came and helped train people in relational evangelism and discipleship. We had open forums with our community. And the more I got to know them, and I think the more that they got to know me, um, we, we, we just had we, – we gelled. Um, along the way, I thought apologetics was only for eggheads and academics, but search kind of embold, embodied and emboldened relational conversational approach in such a way that I just saw that that was me. And I actually, I stepped away from the church because I came to the same conclusion I did in business. I had a passion for the institution, but I just didn't have a passion for the process. And so moving to a 
business environment was just an uh, ideal opportunity for me. The model that Search had at that time and still does and will for as long as I can fathom was the same model that I trusted Christ for or with when I was a kid with Young Life. The ability to make complex ideas easy to understand. But the clincher for me was when the CEO of Search at that time said that they had been praying for me. Wow, and that's a powerful thing to know that somebody's been praying for your, for you for a long time. Yeah. And so I know you had some conversations. We're skipping over a lot here, but you you wound up uh, leaving your church and you go to Baltimore to work with Search, and then you you spent three years there training, learning. Uh, getting uh, everything worked out to where you were ready to plant your own city. And then you go to Charlotte. And so why Charlotte of all the places that you could do this? Well, we started with 20 cities. We narrowed it down to three that I had lived in. But, well, no, two that I'd lived in. No, I'm sorry, three that I'd lived in, but I won't name them. But the fourth was Charlotte that we were asked to take a look at. And the banks were growing at the time. People were moving in from the Northeast. And I just, it was a city on the move, a city that was emerging. And in my first venture down here, just to kick the tires and meet people to plant the seeds for search, one significant leader told me that he and a group of 10 others had been praying for years for something like search. And again, the clincher was that people had been praying um, the city was ready. And so we left Baltimore after three years and brought certs here, gosh, 27 years ago. And, and Davis, one of the things that I love about you so much is you embody somebody who is a team player and somebody who understands and thrives in the environment of a strong team. And, and if you can, I mean, you've had the most prolific team of anybody on our staff, a number of people who have uh, have been part of Search Charlotte. Could you just give us a little glimpse of the team and some of the people that you've been able to work with there? Well, in Charlotte, um, from day one, I prayed for a team. And Ken, Sh- Ken Schultz joined us probably six, seven years after we moved here. At the same time, um, we had an intern, the son of one of our founders, was here for several years and did a great job working with us and wound up in our national office. But he left a hole that he had created, and then God raised up Chip Cash, who joined us as a creative, incredible addition to the team. And then Dave Parsons came along in a semi-retirement mode as a physician who, who wanted to work alongside us, but he continued to do um, um, work in the medical field. And as we prayed, we looked to the future and we began to pray for a next generation leadership. And Chad Blankenberg joined us three years ago. And then just a few months ago, Steve Gardner joined us coming from Young Life. And we have been blessed to say nothing. Yeah, big time. Well, let's shift a little bit, Davis, to present day and talk about how COVID-19 has impacted the ministry in Charlotte and your team and how you're adapting to the moment that we live in. So how has this impacted you and what are you doing that you weren't doing before? Well, what we're doing that we weren't doing before is Zooming. <laughs> is that a verb now we've, we, that we've adapted? I think it's going to be in our strategic <laughs> plan. 
Um, you know, we've had to pivot like almost everyone else, but for us, it's been a great asset because we got guys who've moved to other places or there are guys that are traveling and can't meet with a group. And now with Zoom, we can meet as a group and see each other and even save some commuting time. But at the same time, as I say that, we really miss the face-to-face, and we're glad that the phases are beginning to happen so that we can get kind of back on the streets, if you will. But it, it's been a boom. We, we've had open forums and our foundations group. I, I can't think of anything that we've discontinued other than maybe coffee at Starbucks. So it's been a great asset for us professionally. And I say personally, too, because as a family, um, we have a Sunday night Zoom with our kids. We've got a, a son and his wife in the D.C. area and a daughter in, in New York City. And so now with Zoom, we can we can be a family. We call it family dinner. Um, it's been terrific. But I'll tell you one new thing that I wasn't doing before is walking every single day. Um, because I've been officing at home, I'll walk in the early morning when the sun comes up before my first group, or if it's an early group, I'll walk after the group. And uh, I got to tell you, I'll go public. I've lost a little weight, and my doctor was very pleased last week. And, and when I'm walking, go, go ahead. Well, no, I know you do something uh, a little different while you're walking. So give it to us, Dave. It's maybe a little more embarrassing than, than losing some weight. Well, I listen to podcasts, and especially the ones that you've been promoting, Blaine, and I pray for people when I walk, but I'm also picking up trash. Uh, It started years ago. I always walk on the weekends, and we'd see a little bit of trash in the middle of the road. Maybe it fell out of a truck or a kid threw it out the window, and I think, gosh, why didn't somebody pick it up? And then the next week, I saw it there again. I thought, well, maybe someone ought to pick it up. And so I picked it up and started carrying it home. And next thing you know, there's trash again, and I, my hands would be full, and I started carrying an extra bag. And now it's been probably 15 years, and I'm even carrying a recycle bag. It's I'm that guy <laughs> that you see. Um, and I'll tell you, Blaine, you'd be amazed at what I found picking up trash on the streets of our city. So – Give it to me, man. What do you What are you finding? Well, okay, cans and bottles, probably the most prolific. But when we were teenagers, that was called getting rid of the evidence when we tossed <laughs> it out the window. But honestly, I more things I can describe. But I think probably the most amazing thing for me is over the years, I think I've found almost, if not more than a thousand dollars. Wow. Seriously. Just bills, coins? Well, loose change, dollar bills. Um, but a couple years back, I found a cashier's tra- check that I could have kept. But I did a little homework and found a, a little note inside the envelope, and it, it was apparently an alimony pa- payment. Found a jar and, and returned it. Found a jar with $145 in cash, and we have no idea how it got there. But it came in handy. We, we actually gave it away. Um, just last week, um, I was praying for an opportunity just to meet someone while I was walking. And it was the day after a, a big rain, and there's a letter in the road across from the private school. Picked it up. It was sealed, but it was wet, and I could see through it. And there was a check inside for 300 bucks. And it turned out to be a lady that lives about a half a mile from where we live. And so I drove over later that morning, knocked on the door, and she was one relieved lady to find that check 
So little things like that that have kind of opened doors for us. It sounds like it, and I think it's a great, very simple, practical, doable uh, thing that all of us can do, and you're you're modeling, which is, number one, caring for the world that God's given us to take care of, very simple things like picking up trash and uh, whatever you see as you're walking around your neighborhood, but also just loving people and the the story you just shared. I mean that that made that lady's day, and I know there's lots of lots of other things that you have found that you've been able to return and connect with people that have just led to some amazing opportunities to have conversations. And so, um, what I want to do now, Davis, is kind of take this uh, this little story, your experience of of walking. Uh, slowing down during COVID, some of the things that you find when you you walk and make it make it a little practical, and tie it into something from the Bible. And I think you've got some some real good words of wisdom for us related to this. So, what would you share for us as we kind of wind down the podcast and think of how to apply this? Well, to set it up, let me tell you that walking every day, which is a new discipline for me, is like before COVID when I would go to the Y probably three or four times a week, I would go to work out, but I would really go to, to see people. And the continuity of seeing people over and over again, relationships grow. They grow slow. They grow strong. And so when I walk, um, I have the, kind of the same attitude that I have when I go to the Y. I, there's a prayer that I pray, and it, it comes from the New Testament letter that Paul wrote to a community of Christ followers that were then Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, a little town called Colossae, a group of people he'd never even met before. But he signs off this letter with a request for prayer. And in the prayer, he prays for opportunities. He asked them to pray that God would open a door for him because he was sequestered in a Roman cell. He's asking God for an open door to connect with his captors. I'm pretty sure. And, and what he wrote was so cool because the way he writes it, um, in fact, let me just read it real quick. In, in one translation, uh, they, they say, continue um, alert and be alert with thanksgiving and prayer. With At the same time, pray for us that God would open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. And that I might be clear in the way I speak. Now, walk in wisdom with people on the outside. Make the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned like with salt. So you might know how to answer each one when you get the opportunity. Kind of a loose translation of that. So I pray when I walk. And I pray for open doors. And I pray with my eyes open. uh, Asking God to bless the people that I walk with or walk by, I see runners and bikers. Um, there's a neighborhood next door that we've been praying for for years, and for it's a neat little two-mile loop that I do in that neighborhood. And what was so cool, this hadn't happened during COVID, but a number of years ago, probably four years ago, after we'd been here for two years in this new neighborhood, walking and praying literally for every house, 68 houses in a two-mile loop. Well, during that time, I bumped into two different men who lived there, and I didn't know they were living there at the time. And these are guys who began to follow Christ through one of our forums in Charlotte. 
and we connected and we started talking about what we might do in the neighborhood and that became that that evolved into a small forum that we did where we were inviting people into holiday gatherings and raising questions around the holidays that had a spiritual tone to them and over time we made 20 new friends just from that walking and praying and asking God for open doors. Honestly, I'll tell you, Blaine, it's it's wisdom that I learned at IBM that brought the scripture to light for me. Um, we had a guy that came and did a sales training one time, and he said this. He said, success is when preparation meets opportunity. He said, recognition means the eyes to see because we're looking. But then there's response the readiness to respond because we're prepared. And he said, you know, the opportunities are there for us, all, all of us, all the time. You just don't find them unless you're looking for them. So I love looking for things. I, I find lost things because I look for them. And I'll tell you, we, when we, we used to go to the beach when the kids were young, my daughter would always complain that I always found the best seashells. She said, Dad, it's no fair. You always find the best shells. And I said, well, Shannon, it's because I look for them. Lost things are like missing and valuable. And, and if they're va- of value, then we'll look for them. And so people are. And so I pray for open doors with this, the tenor of this passage and then look to see if they're open. Prayer opens my eyes to doors of opportunity to, to really serve and influence people. Walking gives me a chance for repeated contact and to connect eye to eye, then to have a casual conversation, get to know a person's name, begin to develop patterns that lead to conversations that lead to opportunities to make a difference and to have an influence. Well, he goes on to say, walk in wisdom toward those who aren't of the faith. Make the most of the opportunity. I love the idea there that that your walk is 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 one that would be wise. And the way you speak and the way you carry yourself, the words matter that, that are seasoned like with salt. Salt can hurt or it can heal. It can add flavor. It can burn the taste. Words can help. Words can hinder. Words can destroy lives. We're seeing that today. Words can give life. And so it's just a great reminder to be winsome when you walk and to be wise when you walk and to talk to God about people and ask God to give you an opportunity to talk to people about Him. And that's what walking does for me. Davis, these are fantastic points, and you've given us a lot to think about in the process, and I'm sure if everyone who's listening is like me, they've got a number of things that they they could go and apply right now based on some of the little tidbits that you've given us here. So I want to thank you for helping us to see some of these critical things about just how we love well and how we can interact with our, our friends in a winsome way. And Davis, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Search in Your City podcast. And if you do like what we do here, Share this with your friends. Uh, Have them subscribe. You can subscribe even to our our feed and get all of the episodes whenever they come out. And if you have a question or a comment or anything you want to send our way, fire it off in an email to podcast at searchnational.org. And until next time, thanks for listening.